Welcome back to the Transsection Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at Transsection Podcast, on Instagram at Transsection Podcast, and on Twitter at Transsection P. And you can also find us on the web at www.mixharrishill.com slash transsection. So for those of you who joined us for episode four, we talked about trauma and PTSD and healing from those things with Amanda Wells. Thank you for listening. If you've not heard it yet, it's a really, really good one. And uh, trauma and PTSD are things that actually all of us deal with at one point or another, whether that's personally or supporting people that we know. Uh, it's a really important issue and topic. So if you haven't heard it, go back. And if you know anybody who would really benefit from hearing about healing and other things that you can do to get better with and cope with those issues, please do share the episode with them. This week, we're talking about the intersection of religion, spirituality, and the LGBTQ plus community. This is something that really interests me because so much of the LGBT community and the rights movement and everything is interestingly devoid of spirituality, whether that's a non-denominational spirituality or a religion. And I think that, Jordan, you'll agree with me that we often have a very complicated relationship with religion, which is where most of us are first introduced to the concept of spirituality. And uh, it's complicated because I think that for many of us, we do need to have that connection to feel significant and valued in the universe and in the world and to feel that we are part of something bigger than ourselves and to have faith that we're here for a reason or maybe that things must get better or just to find that strength in a really in really difficult times and i think that our conversations we're so careful not to mention anything like that because of our shared trauma that we often are left with nothing and actually devoid of the spiritual connection that we can make without organized religion yeah and i think you're right when you said that you know it's our first experience with spirituality and so we tend to intermingle um, religion and spirituality and especially in the more mainstream religions where people like us don't have a place or it's hard or complicated to find a place we, it becomes trauma for us and so a lot of us fall away from whatever religion we were raised as or connected to as youth as we become adults and we kind of lose the touch of our spirituality with ourselves and i've noticed among my friends and i don't know if this is you know the whole community or if it's just my little group of uh queer non-binary people but i found a lot of people do find a lot of strength in uh like pagan uh religions or practices where they do find a lot of spirituality you gotta like kind of pick everything Hurt as you get into that because I found myself as I've gotten into it uh, having thoughts or or being pushed into a way that was connected to the mainstream religion I was raised in that don't go spirituality so it's yeah it's like unpicking everything is I guess that's the common theme 
about everything is you got to unpick mm-hmm. and it's hard to talk about because you're not just in pieces of yourself you're picking trauma yeah definitely and I think when you know especially if you have any regard for this stuff and I think most of us even when we're young possibly do because it's what our parents think and obviously for a lot of kids even if they don't have a good relationship with their parents they do idolize their parents a little bit sometimes uh, especially if they're neglected or not loved in the way that they need to be and I think to try to fit in and and emulate our parents possibly into an institutional organization that doesn't recognize us in most cases actually says that the way that we are is unacceptable and something to be ashamed about constantly criticized for I think that it's I mean for me personally it took me a very long time to drop all of my religious explorations and then come back around to something that was so powerful and so beautiful for me that didn't leave me with those kind of flashbacks and tainted bits from a religion that doesn't recognize me doesn't talk about me and doesn't speak about me with love yeah that's that's like the big the big part is it doesn't they don't speak about us with love and the church I was raised in is very, very, very much, um, they preach, you know, love everyone, shower them with kindness, that type of thing, love everybody. But then I would have to go sit in church, you know, sessions. We'd have it every Sunday for three hours. And then we would have something called mutual on either Tuesday or Wednesday for an hour and a half or so. Uh, so twice a week I was in church and I would have to sit through these lessons where uh one that's particularly stuck with me and having communications with other people that have left the church and gone through this and gone through similar traumas as i have is we have this lesson and the one that was taught to me it was a 20 it was a fresh 20 dollar bill and my leader got up and was talking about it and says you know you want this but everybody's a 20 dollar bill but when you do this and that you crumbled it up and then like stepped on it it was like, when you have the choice between a crumpled $20 bill and a crisp one, you're going to go for the crisp $20 bill. And that's what you are when you um, not just have sex before marriage, but like any, like French kissing is against the rules. Um, they call it heavy petting. You're not allowed to do any heavy petting, which is you know, just making out and grinding up on each other or whatever. But it was very much like, if you do any of that, you are now seen as undesirable. And I had to sit through this, you know, from the ages of 13 to 18, knowing that I was already that crumpled dollar bill, that crumpled $20 bill. And it wasn't even me, like it wasn't even my choice. And I was already someone who was going to be seen as undesirable and not worthy of marriage in that church. And that's, I mean, traumatizing, even, even to probably the girls who were still quote unquote pure it's traumatizing to be told that like you're you're an item you're something that is to be uh coveted and preserved and yeah like, okay, yeah. yeah and that's your only purpose and the church promotes that the purpose of woman is to procreate your job is to make babies that's it make babies raise babies that's all you're there for and so especially over the last couple of years there's been a lot of unrest over that um there was a huge thing where women were called were 
protesting to be able to hold the priesthood or to be able to wear pants to church and there was a whole thing over that and then uh the one most relevant to me is uh there was a man named sam young and him and his wife began to stand up and speak out against the church and its policies because we would have these things called worthiness in interviews with our bishop which is like the i guess he's like the equivalent of like a catholic priest but they're just kind of ordinary people that just get called by the church to do it so i mean they have really no qualifications or experience or but basically you had to go in and sit in these interviews with this bishop and he would ask you if you touched yourself or if you had been if you were having sex with someone and they you started as young as like eight years old and i remember having Ooh. these at like 13 and 14 and then it was in one of these interviews where after my abuse came out um and i was in therapy from a i was going to a therapist office that was owned by this church and both my therapist and my bishop told me that i needed to sit and think about my actions and my responsibility for my abuse and I, I'm very open about the fact that I have PTSD and that I've been dealing with that. But what a lot of people don't know is that a great majority of my trauma is not from the abuse. It's from everything that happened to me the five years after while I still in that church and still lived yeah. at home. And I mean, I had a good home and I do have parents that love me and that still support like my dad still supports me now but they weren't there in the capacity i needed them to be there for me when i was going through this and so i dealt a lot with this trauma growing up going to these church lessons being told that i am now undesirable and unworthy of marriage i'm also having massive like a gender identity crisis i don't know who i am i don't know where i'm going i don't know where my place is in this world i have no access to anything i mean social media wasn't really around yet like facebook was just starting up when i was a junior or senior but i wasn't a lot on the internet so i don't i didn't have access to anybody i was cut off from people um people i was allowed to be with i mean they they didn't understand it was a small town and so i just remember going in and sitting in the pew every sunday and listening to people talk about how someone like me wasn't worthy of anything and uh, mm. a couple years ago this church came out with a statement and said that um, children of gay parents would not be allowed to be baptized in this church and it was awful like being told you can't make a decision about your religion because of your parents and um, they also do preach that the being gay is not a sin but acting on it is so they, there's a lot of people mm -hmm. that are openly gay in straight marriages in this church and i can't even imagine what that feels like they came out with that and then they've also kind of they didn't really change the policy per se uh they just kind of reworded it and then made a statement about it because they became under fire this year someone like me the second I get any type of surgery, um, I think I even even now, just because I'm on hormones and I've done a medical transition on my body, that I will never, ever be able, again, no matter what I do, if I detransition or anything like that, be able to go back into their temple. And so it's kind of like, that was, that was the point when I made the decision that I was like, why am I even in this church? 
anymore because there's very 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 intense about their membership um so i had never like formally withdrawn like you can't just leave the church you have to like submit a request and so people would still be coming to my apartment all of the time or if i moved they would get a hold of my family members and be like hey do you know where jordan lives and they'd show up to my house and uh, so in order to stop that i had to use a lawyer to get my names removed from the records and now that I'm on the outside. How old were you when you had to request that your name happened last your year. lawyer involved? I did it last year. So I was 27 years old uh, when I finally got my name removed. And honestly, I, uh, I only think one of my siblings knows that I did this. So if any of them, like, this is me putting up for a whole lot of um, <laughs> potential issues with my family admitting this right now. But yeah, I had my name removed from the church records and... It honestly was like this huge weight lifted off of my shoulders that I was finally free from this institution that had caused me so much pain. And it's hard because my dad always would come and say, you know, you can't truly be happy unless you're following the church. And and then, of course, with someone with depression, um, when I left the church and, you know, when I wasn't active and I had depression, there was a lot of a lot of years where I thought that that was because I wasn't going to church and had a lot of fear about it. And as I've grown older and realized, you know, like that's, you know, depression is depression. That's something that was unrelated, but uh, it's, I'm still trying to unfuck myself from all of these <laughs> little sayings and things that were pushed in my mind about um, being perfect and, and Utah has a really, really, really high suicide rate, especially among youth. And people are like, well, I don't understand why, but it's when you look at the culture, it's a very much a perfectionism religion where everything is a glass house and yeah. you have to be absolutely perfect. Uh, the main concentration of where this, we like to call Happy Valley because they're one of the highest usages of antidepressants. It's just kind of like you got to really think about why that people with so many mental health issues and struggles and and because they're trying to attain this perfect ideal that's not possible it's not human and even so i haven't been active in the church for probably eight or nine years and i'm have been actively trying to unpick everything from myself and i still i'm doing it it's so wholly consumed me that i had a lot of anger for a long time against religion especially this one um, and i still hold on to quite a bit of anger but i realize you know that this is it's into an institution and me going around and yelling at everybody isn't really going to do much but i lost that connection with my own spirituality which i realized was very important to me and so now i've been going around and trying to find you know where can i find my spirituality so i've been uh, talking with people and exploring not just religions but practices that are available to uh, people with my cultural heritage because I'm not gonna it's not my place to get into other cultures so I like learning about them but you know it's it's been really cool just getting into uh, these pagan and these uh, hedonistic cultures and practices and just kind of finding really finding my place there and finding uh, myself uh, becoming more in tune with myself which is funny because like my therapist did teach me how to meditate. Uh, the first one I went to that caused me a lot of problems, but um, he, he did teach me to meditate. So he gave me one really, really good tool. And I found that 
the things I felt as I was searching myself back then and the things I'm feeling now are very much in the same. And it's finding peace in allowing me to be who I am. And whenever I lose that is when I start trying to perform to be somebody else, to perform to be palatable to people. Uh, and I start losing myself in that. I try really hard to be palatable. And this podcast has been one of the things where I've been where I'm very happy I'm doing because I'm helping educate and bring awareness to it. And I've been doing this since I came out with anybody and everybody. And I noticed about eight months ago that I'm having the same three conversations over and over and over again with the same people. I can't go anywhere without somebody bringing up who I am. And it's frustrating. And I'm like, I want to talk about things other than being trans like I have to deal with this every day of my life I'm talking about it all of the time and I can't have like every single time I was talking to my tattoo artist for the last two years has gone to the exact same conversation and so finally I said something on Saturday I was like look like I love you and but can we please talk about something like anything else because I'm tired I'm tired of you know having these conversations and he said to me he called me a moderator and said that um and he also apologized and said, it's just nice to talk to you because when I bring up some things that may not be correct or anything like that, you don't freak out on me. And I'm just like, you know, I'm this close to like doing it, but it's, it's when I kind of realized that I'm, I'm honing down my edges to make myself palatable to people because they're uncomfortable mm. and I'm kind of done with it. Like... When I do that, I lose connection with myself. And when I lose connection with myself, I lose connection to my spirituality. And then my depression gets worse and I get angry and I'm irritable all the time and I don't like it. So it's kind of but, don't break yourself off into bite-sized pieces, make them choke on you whole. I'm getting so aggressive with all of it, but it's important to me because <laughs> bringing awareness and bringing education is part of who I am. And I can't have the connection with myself if I am dulling myself down to make myself more palatable. Definitely. And I think that's so much of religion and not all, you know, hashtag yeah. not all religion. <laughs> um, but so much of it is really about being mm -hmm. subservient and denying all of these different parts of yourself in order to tread this tightrope of unrealistic standards that wasn't ever really set by the original founders or ins inspirations for the religions it's it's much more of a current culture it and when you were saying when you're describing like within your you know the church that you grew up in and how you know your your area is so highly medicated for depression and yet they have such incredibly narrow margins like there's no margin for error and it's impossible as a human to be that way I, I think most of the time and it doesn't surprise me that when the margins for error are pretty much non-existent that people are depressed I can't imagine going around every single day permanently in this sort of hyper vigilant state where you're questioning every single thing that you yeah. do your tone of voice and the way that you speak to people who you're told are superior to you. And it's just, it's so unhealthy. It, and, and yeah, it really doesn't surprise me. It's interesting though, because I do often think about the contrast between 
the UK and the US, and I mean, I guess we're more similar than we're not, but I do find that so we do have so many similar issues, but especially around oppression and, and other things like that, we tend to have our versions are much more subtle and they're quiet. And they're done in a way that you almost can't quite put your finger on it. Like it's uh -huh. really insidious. Uh, my younger sister got married a few years ago and she, it, her husband has uh, never grown up or never really been a, like a religious person. His family aren't religious, but they agreed that they would have their wedding in the church that we grew up going to. My we were talking about it. And my sister said, would you get married in a church? And I said, um, well, I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could get married in a church. It, it depends who I fall in love with and how the law recognises my gender versus the other gender. And is the church OK with that? And to be honest, like maybe I would have done if I got married, married young. But now, absolutely not. Like, why would I want to get married in a place that only accepts me in certain ways? And you know, if the law forces me to be recognised as female or male, and then depending on who I fall in love with, would really be the deciding factor as to whether or not they'd allow me to get married in the building. It's so different because nobody's actually said anything to me. And yet leaving the church and realising, just being like, I don't want to go back there. And I tried so many different places to see if I could find something different. And by the end of it, I just didn't want to go back. I felt so unwelcome when actually nobody had said anything to my face whatsoever. I think additionally, my grandmother was from India and I've always been really aware of race within my family. But in retrospect, I think I was the only one because the Indian side of the family were for years were in denial about that, you know, where they were from and what colour they actually are. That's been really strange. And I also, I, I often felt like being in a church of pretty much mostly white people and even the culture of the church and even the Church of England is so patriarchal and so white that I was never going to be at home there anyway. And I just feel that until something, in, until a religion can become as fluid as its people and as, you know, because the the whole point, as far as I'm concerned, is that religion first and foremost is meant to be a bit about mm -hmm. spiritual nourishment but yet it's used as control and I mean in certain countries including the UK for many centuries the law and the religion as far as I understand it were exactly the yeah. same thing it wasn't separate most of the time and so that's where I think it's kind of got corrupted I mean that's I'm the, pretty sure that's how the church of England was started if, <laughs> was because the church and the law yeah. didn't allow, was it King Henry VIII? So he created the Church of England. It's very subtle and it's kind of almost so quietly done. I feel that because of all that subtlety, it took me such a long time and I could never, I feel that because of growing up in this kind of very middle class and most of the people that I know are white, because of all of those things and there's that this very English way of like, don't be upset, stiff up a lip, don't express yourself don't lose your shit, um, don't tell people to fuck off if you think they're wrong. So I feel like everything is still done to you. It's still done to you the same way it's, it's done to people in, mm -hmm. in the US. But it's just done in a way that you can't really criticise it. You can't call them out. 
because nobody's saying anything awful to your face. I mean, it, it of course that yeah. does happen to other people, but from my experience, it's just so quietly and subtly done and in such a polite way. Like you can be a bigot and be really polite about it, especially in England. I would say that if it was a, a sport that <laughs> England would win. You're right. Too. Yeah, and I remember I moved, so the last time I attended church regularly, okay, so growing up I went to Church of England, but everybody was very kind of liberal about it. We didn't really talk about religion much at home at all, especially not God or spirituality. It was more of like a community thing that we did. Then by my teens, I started to notice what other people said about it. And we had Sunday lunch is very traditional in my house. We still do it now, even though we're not churchgoers. I mean, my dad still goes to sing in the choir when, obviously, when we're not disbanded due to lockdown. Um, but, you know, he's he's not spiritual, as far as I'm aware. The last time I asked him, he was like, no. Uh, but we had, in my teens, uh, I remember this one particular Sunday lunch with a bunch of friends from church and people who are sort of like honorary grandparents. And I remember one of the ladies, she just turned around and was like, but nobody really believes it, though, do they? And I remember thinking, like, what the fuck is the point in any of this then? And all everyone else sort of laughed about it. And I was like, why have I spent years internalising this fucking <sighs> biased and filtered and corrupted stuff and, and taking it so seriously and so, taking it so to heart? When all of the people that I have been socialising with and, and building relationships with for years with, they don't believe it themselves. Like, who am I trying to please here? And so eventually I just went, no, fuck off, I'm not going. Like, what's the point? It's not real. And, you know, I started asking people, why do you go? And they're like, oh, I like, um, I like the singing or I like to go and see my friends. Or it's what I've always done. And eventually I was like well, what's the bloody point and then so I left religion alone for ages and when I moved up to the Midlands for uni I was only there for a term and then I jacked it in I went to go and be a stripper I got involved with this chap and again that's another story for another time this this whole uh, chapter of mine uh, where I kind of got involved in all these interesting things some of them fine and some of them really not and after all of that chapter you know there'd been like a, I, I had to end a pregnancy and got broken up with and ditched while pregnant and uh, there was like not me but I was then dealing with somebody who had a heroin problem and there was just all sorts of things going on and after all of that I just was like I don't want to be around I don't want to date anymore. And the guy that had got me pregnant and had the heroin addiction actually got me back into Christianity, <laughs> which is such a, I don't know, what? It's like so contradictory, isn't it? I don't know, but he just, he was just a really messed up Christian and he was an addict. He was like a terribly traumatized person, not a bad person at all, but he's just very, very messed up and very immature he, he behaved in a lot of ways that was that were very uh unkind kind of well I don't know it's just like lashing out it's just like watching a child sometimes and he was 12 years older than me as well so anyway um but he would often talk in these weird moments or these moments where he would kind of be almost 
like more lucid or remember who he was and stop reaching for things that he didn't believe in or I don't know he would seesaw between all of these different ideals and how he felt versus what he believed and he would talk about religious things and concepts and he but he was talking about it in a universally spiritual way and I use the term universally in a like broadly speaking but for example he would talk he would he would use phrases like so heavenly minded no earthly good he would say things all the time as as a philosophy and as spirit as it being spiritual and he also had read the quran and other religious texts and he had a genuine interest in it and i thought this see this is much more me i want to be educated about it and to know about how all of this works and what's the universal truth of all of this and the really deep stuff i'm not interested in you know going to kneel at the altar every week for wafer and wine when nobody here believes it's anything other than a, a free snack like what's the point <laughs> terrible snack <laughs> um so no and I, I only found out when it was too late that um, oh no jesus is not gluten-free <laughs> You have to request, if you're celiac, you have to request gluten-free Jesus. Oh my (laughs) God. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so anyway. So basically, after I'd gone through all that trauma with like having to end a pregnancy and being like horrifically sad about that. And sorry, that was a bit of a contrast, wasn't it? Gluten-free Jesus to that. But yeah, anyway. (laughs) So, sorry serious face seriously okay so after I'd gone through all of that I was like I don't want any man to come near me again I don't want to I don't want anyone to like touch me like that I don't feel safe and because I got pregnant as well being careful so I was that I was really freaked out so I guess like maybe that's really funny and ironic that I got pregnant despite precautions or despite not thinking I could and then turn to Christianity again <laughs> like Mary all over again no it's not really um so I tried out an evangelical church a really big one in Leicester in the Midlands of England I know to American people it probably sounds funny it's just the middle of England it's it's like you know you've got the bomb and then the middle and then the top it's like it's pretty simple anyway so I tried out the evangelical church and they had really good music because it was massive and they had these really good uh musicians But it was full of theatre and ego and absolute bullshit. And I actually called them out on it. And it, this was amazing, actually. I don't care what you think of it. I just enjoy the, the story. This young couple who were supposedly blessed with the gift of sight, like reading for people in this sort of spiritual sense. And they recorded what they were saying to me on a tape on like a cassette tape and I took it home and I listened to it again and I was like this is such bullshit and I said I said right god if this is uh I don't I'm, I don't believe this or I'm not sure if I do um if, if this isn't true what they've said to me on this tape can you give me a sign press play and after a, about a minute the tape snapped well, in half and that's never happened to me before and I'm not saying it's a miracle or or it is or whatever it was just I was like that's really interesting I think other than that and I just ended up saying that this older couple who were really lovely actually they really took me under their wing and they could see I was really traumatized I think she was a she was a midwife or a nurse 
and they really looked after me but I just said to them look your, your music in the church is amazing but other than that I just see a lot of showmanship and ego and it's just not real I'm sorry and then after that I tried a Pentecostal church I was the only non-black person there and it was tiny the music was really <laughs> dire but the preaching and the community and the conversation was brilliant. And that's why I stayed at that one for a while. And I actually got re-baptized. I think and then journey here yeah. is that one of your standards as you go from church to church is the music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. I, it's just yeah. what you notice. I think for me, like you've got the, the musical part. And I think for a lot of people, music mm -hmm. is very like emotional and can be spiritual and put you in particular mindset, you know, and it's like, that coming together isn't yeah. it and putting your energies together I think it's something a bit magic about that whether you're religious or spiritual or not but also like what people are preaching what's the message in the church and sometimes I think well you know you've got you've got a, an audience of hundreds of people who are there to be spiritually guided and you might as well have just literally dropped your kegs and took a shit on the floor like that was just completely pointless <laughs> And then after all of that, I ended up basically, my dad thought that I was being brainwashed. And I thought this was so funny because the only time that I'd ever been brainwashed by a religion is the one that he and my mum introduced me to without any kind of like warning or, or there was no kind of balanced conversation that went on about what we discussed or what we listened to that week. And that was the point where I was too young to really do anything, like to question it particularly. So by the time I ended up in these other places as an adult, I'd chosen to go there and find out about it. And I'd chosen to take part in that. And that was the time when my, my dad was like, oh, I think you're being brainwashed and I want you to move home. <laughs> and then after I moved home, so the guy, the friend who, who introduced me and he was still going to church with me, even though he was like high some of the time, it was really weird. And uh, when I moved back home, he said, have you found another church? I remember just thinking, like, I just can't do it. I don't know why, but it's just so against it. And and it took me years to recover from all of that and to have the courage and, and the healing to then find my own way in into spirituality that is lovely and completely serves me and others and keeps me striving to be a better person as well and to, like, be responsible with my behaviour and my thoughts and things like that. Um, far more than a religion ever has done so yeah so Jordan where are you now like what do you believe and what like where are you in, in finding things that you enjoy and that do bring you a sense well of, like, I did I did go around and try to find um, a Christian-based denomination around here because the religion I was raised in is um, depending on who you ask they're either Christian or not but honestly the best way I can explain the religion I was raised in was like Christianity meets Judaism meets uh, Freemasons is what it was so I kind of it was familiar to me like I'd grown up studying the Bible and I just I had this thought earlier uh, when you were talking about what your experience was growing up in religion how it was just something the community did on the Sunday or whatever I didn't realize how heavily the religion is is forced into the children's lives because I just thought this is how everybody's religion was but we would wake up we would have family scripture study every morning family prayer I'd go to school and then one of my classes at high school was seminary where then we would study religion plus then I had my three hours on Sundays and then my one time a week that I would go as a youth so I was I mean every day 
all the time. The only day that there wasn't some type of religion was Saturday. And so I've heavily studied the Bible and the Mormon books, uh, the Book of Mormon and the Doctrine and Covenants. And there's one called the Pearl of Great Price as well. But so I've heavily studied all of those. And so it was familiar to me. So I'm like, I'll go find a Bible-based denomination up here. And I noticed it didn't matter what they preached um, or what type of inclusiveness that they had or, or acceptance or whatever. I knew what the Bible said. And I knew that despite what any of them would say in any of the denominations, I knew what the truth was. So I never felt comfortable. No matter how welcoming they were, I've never felt comfortable. And so I just kind of fell off from Christianity. And then I had a lot of years of um, atheism. And and so lately, the, the thing that I found that I really, that's really resonated with me um, has been witchcraft. and. So that's, I've been studying into that a lot. Uh, I joined a coven. I, uh, it's it's just something about the, the spiritual, because it's all based on spirituality. It's all based on what's within you and within the earth around you and air around you and how, like where your place is and all of that and your, your place in the cycle and um, bringing in energy. I've always been, no matter where I've sat on the religion scale or my spirituality scale, I've always been, someone who believes the energy you put into the universe is something that the universe will bring back to you and so that really coincides really really well with uh, the pagan roots i'm going after so that's what i found so i've gotten into tarot and i've got my own little shelf that i've made that i have um, i think it's calcite that one of my friends sent me i've got um, some incense and stuff and so i'm like i'm kind of slowly wading into that and that's how i found my spirituality is in a non-Christian or Abrahamic-based religion. Yeah, that's nice. It's, it's interesting, actually, because... So I listen to all of my books. I can't really sit and read like I used to. There are some books I've come across in recent years about Jesus and other things, and, and originally I would see these and think, I'm curious, but it's still not been enough time. I need some distance from it. But I've found since then that so many people and, like, scholars... Uh, particularly of the Bible, have come along and they've said, well, a lot of the things that we know now about the origins of like the original words or the, you know, the the language, the earliest languages we have recorded of like versions of the Bible or books of the Bible or whatever, a lot of these translations are actually very different and it's not what you've been led to believe. So yeah, one of the ladies who worked, she used to be a nun, she's a retired nun, and then she worked as a reader at the church I grew up at for some years before fully retiring. And she used to be a nun, and she studied a lot of these things from an academic point of view. And she she was the first person to say to me that the original words before things got translated into Latin or English and, and other things was that any discussion of homosexuality wasn't actually about homosexuality. It was a discussion about the slave trade. That was going to be up if, if this wasn't where you were going, because that's what I know about. Originally, there was nothing said at all about LGBT people. Now, the fact that we weren't mentioned particularly is not necessary you you know you can't argue that they didn't have a problem at all but certainly it wasn't enough that it was brought up particularly and they also talked about like eunuchs and people like that but we don't I think there are quite a few theories about what that literally meant 
But again, I think I feel that regardless of interpretation, the number one rule was to love people. And I'm pretty sure that didn't include like just being a bit of a dick <laughs> at the at the very least. Yeah. So, I mean, I've learned loads of things since then. And I think had I been had I got access to a lot of the original things and especially like it was meant to be the whole idea of that of Christianity originally that anybody could be a Christian and that you didn't have to give up what you were in order to be a Christian you know like Jesus was always a Jew he didn't stop being a Jew and even the last supper was Pesach was um uh Passover meal I I think originally it was it was really meant to be this kind of fluid all accepting thing where it's like radical love of other people and real trust that that things are are you know we are wonderfully and fearfully made and I think I mean I'm not Christian now but I definitely think that there is value at the at the root of it I just don't I just really reject the religion because in all the reading that I've done about the earlier days and things before it got turned into a tool for control and to generate wealth before that there was just something really amazing about it and it was very revolutionary for the time and there was a lot of persecution going on as well so I really do feel that the version of religion we've got now is just not it's so diluted it's been so corrupted over centuries of white men and white supremacy and you know, sexism, misogyny and everything else. And I mean, I mean, we even forget or we're not even told that Mary, you think about like Mother Mary and Mary Magdalene. Mary is not a name. It's a title that means priestess. Yeah. So the point. Yes. And also a lot of um, Jewish culture is based around matriarchy, not patriarchy, mm -hmm. not to say that there aren't issues and so on. But women were always like in many many ways and in many variations within Jewish culture women are highly revered so I feel that what we have now is is such a dilution and such a, a, a corruption and a misrepresentation of what it was meant to be originally and of course that's always going to happen but I feel that it's just happened in the same way over and over and over again until this is what we've got and it makes people miserable so what's the point I'm not saying don't be religious and I'm not saying that religion is evil. I just think that we should be mindful of all of the things that I've mentioned and all of the other things that I don't know and haven't brought up or whatever. But I think that we can be religious and keep these things in mind and be religious and not take doctrine because it's there without questioning it. I think religion is meant to serve people and it's meant to get them to like a, a good mental state. And if that means learning not to judge and learning to really love people and connect with them in a really deep and really fearless way then that's what it should be doing and if it's not then it needs to be looked at so for the last like six years I've been listening to loads and loads of audiobooks about all kinds of things spirituality psychology behavior and trauma and all sorts of things and I've listened to loads and loads and I think what I've got now, somebody would probably say it's a bit new age, but I, I massively reject that because there's no such thing as new age. All, all these ideas were, were known many thousands of years ago and got nothing to do with now, I don't think. But I think what I've got now is a bit of a, 
Oh, I've forgotten the word again. Why does that happen? Oh, reincarnation. There you go. I found it. Bit of reincarnation, bit of law of attraction, but Ow. mitigated with walking, <laughs> uh, working through through your trauma, uh -huh. and also respecting the path. So I don't. So for example, like, do you, are you a power of? Yeah. Uh, are you a manifesting person? Yeah. Yeah. So. When I first heard about it, I was like, it makes sense. And I can, like, a hundred times I've manifested my exact favourite parking spot and all that shit. But what I found is that you you can't manifest something that is so far out of your yeah, reach. You can't just manifest it. You have to actually actively work for it. And if you have something that's blocking your way, like trauma. That's another thing. Like, if you have trauma around money, like, I've, I've definitely, that's something that I've dealt with for most of my life you've got trauma around money and you know maybe you've got like the trauma of poverty it doesn't matter how hard you try to manifest a million dollars by tomorrow I mean occasionally someone probably could manage to do it the right person but generally speaking it sets you up to fail and to feel like a failure again and I, I think that the art of manifesting is magical and it's amazing and it can work even just psychologically which is enough i think even if you don't believe in the spirit spiritual like divine or energetic element of it it is still magic however i don't think that the current version of what we've got is responsible or or well-rounded enough it's not holistic enough i followed all sorts of manifesting people over the times that are really good at what they do and they've absolutely done it for themselves and yet we don't but they're like oh you know you don't if you're traumatized or if you're uh feeling crap about something that's because you've you've done something wrong or you're not trying hard enough and uh eventually if you just don't don't relive your trauma eventually it'll just go away I'm like, that is such fucking bullshit I think manifesting is a really good one. And I actually find a lot of people now I'll sometimes be having like a really average conversation with somebody and I'll be like, oh, thanks universe. And they laugh and they go, yeah, I hate it when that happens or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We, we're not religious and we've not said anything except I've made one comment and you agree with me. And I know that in that moment, we're both talking about the same thing, which I think is really interesting. But again, I think a lot of these concepts come from like older ancient cultures or religions. And the version that we've got has probably been whitewashed to death. Yeah, and the poor fucking thing is hanging on by a, a string. <laughs> when I so. hear New Age, my brain goes whitewashed other cultures. Other cultures that have existed and practices that have existed mm. for thousands of years. But because, you know, white people and yoga pants do it now, it's New Age. Yeah, same. I feel like if you're going to, you know, like someone would say, like, ask me if I'm a Buddhist and I'll say no, because I don't know enough about it. And I, I've heard a lot of white people say that. I mean, anyone could be a Buddhist. The whole point is that it's almost like not it's even a religion. It's like an attitude or a view of life and the soul and stuff. Life. Yeah. And which is fun. But I still, you know, I, 
I see so many people and they and they say these things and I'm like how where have you got this from do you know whose it is do you know whose entire philosophy you've just made into like something that could fit onto the side of a Starbucks cup and uh, yeah I agree with you I think new age is just yeah, whitewash it's not new by any means stuff. so what do you think about moving forward Jordan because I really feel like particularly as a community I feel like especially when we're feeling rubbish uh we often need that sense of connection to something bigger than ourselves something benevolent uh, and feeling loved especially if we're isolated right now and also just socially in general I feel like so often you know on my um, genders together page that I want to share something that I feel is spiritually so warming and just loving but I'm scared to share it because I think just the concept of spirituality for so many of our peeps is just re-traumatizing yeah I understand that because I feel a few years ago I probably would have seen something like that and gotten upset but it's like we've we've discussed this like it's the the separation of spirituality from religion and I think having a platform that allows you to share these and start showing that you can be spiritual without being religious or if you want religion, like it's all up to you and it's a personal decision, but um, it's scary. Yeah. But it's, if you have the, the platform and the capability to share something that might promote healing in traumatized peoples, I think it's important. Yeah, I agree with but you. It's good to open doors like that, like Sorry. to open discussions. But at the same time, the most important person you have to take care of is, is yourself. Sometimes you need to yeah. make sure that you're doing what is best for you. And if um, sharing something is scary to the point where you're not in a position to be able to handle any type of hurt that may come from it, you need to take care of yourself. And that goes for everybody and everything in every aspect. Mm. You can't pour from an empty cup. Yeah. You have to take care of yourself in order to take care of others. Mm. And that were my response it's, to how can mm. we um, help people find their spirituality and find their communities is right now especially with how isolated everyone is to find your communities there are so so many communities online right now and so many platforms that i have found so much family in the groups that i've joined uh there's so many and i mean you can literally look for um religion or practice you're interested in uh queer group and it'll pull up, put in exactly what words you want. If uh, you want someone in your culture, you can look up your culture. If you want someone or a group that has uh, similarities to you in your lifestyle or in your identity or in your romantic attraction, like there's so, there's thousands of groups out there for every little thing. So you can find groups specifically catered to exactly what you need to find yourself spiritually. And in order to do that, you also need to make sure you have introspection into yourself. You want to follow what feels good to you. And if you get into something and it doesn't feel good, mm. don't do it. Don't push yourself 
to be in something that you are not comfortable with. Mm. I was not comfortable with Christianity, but that doesn't mean somebody else isn't. Like they can be completely comfortable and it's important to allow people to explore and to find themselves in any way they need to, as long as it's not harmful to somebody else. But that also means you can't be harmful to somebody else. Yeah, and I think that's part of the the difficulty with religion is that religion has to tell its participants that look you need us you need this religion without it you're in trouble uh you'll go to hell your your life will be cursed everything you do will be disgusting and if you don't really take that seriously then you're fucked basically and anybody else who's doing it even slightly differently to you or, or maybe you know, they found God, but through a different religion or they've, you know, all of these people are just doing things slightly wrong. So lucky for you, they're not going to heaven. So you've got to work really hard to make sure that you do and to make sure that your soul isn't any more disgusting than it already is, because, you know, that shit's gross. <laughs> and they really, really need to hammer home that you need us. You cannot leave. And it's yeah. it's participation, but by coercion, isn't it? And I think that the moment that you say to somebody, and that it is that setup that tells me this is this is wrong. And and obviously, lots of institutions are not like that, but it tends to be on a individual basis. And I think that because of that, that's what makes us all getting on together so difficult within this context, because you're told that anybody outside of what you're doing, they're dangerous. They might give you like bad ideas about things or they're corrupt. So just don't get too close or love them, but love them and keep in mind that they're a bit disgusting or that they're, they're a bit like they're an abomination, like love them, but but you can't love them without remembering yeah, how I... broken and fucked up they are. And because of that, it's like it, it maintains this superiority complex. And I think that's what gets in the way. I think that if we're all going to get along, we have to get to a point where we can see God in each other or we can see the divine in every single human, regardless of how they're going about their lives. And, and even with people who do shit things that, they have the potential they're they're alive they've been given a life and they have potential to do good or to do at least better and whilst pretty much like most religions have especially in the west anyway have this superiority complex that's never going to happen and you know obviously whilst people are roped in and they really believe they have to be there and they have to fight for their position and they have to fight anybody who even marginally disagrees or lives a lifestyle differently you know, they have to do that because otherwise where does the church get their money? And where does the church get its power and its followers uh, and the numbers of supporters? I think the second that we're, we can be more relaxed about the entire thing and accepting and, and not pushing people to be one thing or another, I just, and recognising coercion and calling it out when we see it, I think would make for much more balanced inclusion. And also you're going to end up with more emotionally invested people when you know the people there are there by choice, not because you've bullied them into it. 
even if you think that your bullying was done out of love. I think that's the issue that we have at the moment. And because of that superiority complex and everyone who is outside of that is like, you're being a dick. And they're like, no, I'm doing this because I love you. And there's just no, you know, or I'm doing this because you're, you know, you're, you're dirty. And because of both of those things, I think we're at loggerheads and we're not going to, it's going to be so difficult to uh, connect across the boundaries and across the borders if those things are not addressed inside and out. You're right. That's in the church I was raised in. Um, you were told that you could, your friends were inside the church and that it's dangerous to be friends with anybody outside of the church. And um, if you do make any, you're supposed to bring them to church with you and try to convert them. And um, I'm what's called, no, they call me an apostate. And I'm like, basically like equivalent to the double to some of them <laughs> that yeah basically like once you hit apostate in this oh. church you are uh you're a lot you're shunned um leaving the church you will lose entire communities i'm very very lucky oh. uh that my family um is still there for me but like i have you know cousins that are weren't nearly as lucky and um i have friends that were kicked out of their homes when they were said that they were leaving the church and it's you you immediately become a leper <laughs> and and you're out you're the outside you're not part of the the perfect little flock anymore and they don't they tell you not to be friends with people that aren't in the church like you have to be friends with people in the church you um hang out with people in the church and you know you can't i mean it's just kind of looking back at some of the things, it's just crazy to me that people go along with it, but they're told that families can be together forever, but all of you have to follow all of the rules to the letter. One of the nice things though about that church though is that they actually don't believe in hell. Um, there is something uh, called outer darkness uh, that you could end up into, but according to, at least from what I was told, the only way to get into that is to tell Jesus to his face that he's not real but um but they're they have like lower like specific levels of heaven and according to the life you live you'll be in one of those levels but the only way that you can be with your family and to be with um god the father and jesus and the holy ghost is if you live the perfect life get all the temple work done all of that stuff um otherwise you you don't get access to your family or anything like that and they hold they hold your family hostage you got to pay your 10%. You got to go to church every day. You got to do the temple work. And then if you do all of these things, you get your family forever. But if you don't do these things, your family's lost to you forever. And it's really, really heartbreaking, honestly. And yeah, I'm part of like, I'm part of a Facebook group that is a collection of apostates like me. And um, I left the church way before I did any, like did any of the temple stuff. Um, I did do the, um, waterboarding for the dead, the baptisms for the dead they do, uh, that I was able to do as a youth, but I wasn't able to do any of like the other temple work because that, for a woman, you don't do that until you're married. Um, they're doing it early and early now because they're more open to them going on missions, but you have to go through what's called an endowment session. And I'm finding out what happens in these things. And it's, whew, like, I just, it's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's I see like and hearing all of these people that didn't get out of the church until they're yeah. in their 40s or 50s and they talk about that like they've always were so uncomfortable but 
they were terrified to leave. They couldn't leave. They they were coerced into being there. They were bullied by love. Um, they have these things called, um, which I probably should have been called into ages ago, uh, but they're called, a, I think it's called a court of love, where they will call you in and then they have, it's basically like judge and jury sitting in front of you. And they bring you in and talk about whatever grievous sin it is that you have been said to have been committed. And then they decide on a punishment, which could be losing your temple recommend or uh, being disfellowshipped or even excommunicated from the church. And that's what happened to Sam Young, uh, the one I was talking about who was very vocal about the worthiness interviews. Is he was excommunicated for talk, speaking up about it. And yeah, it's definitely a, a, a rule by fear and bully by love or love by bullying uh, religion that I was raised in. So that's, I have, like I said earlier, I have a lot of anger inside of me um, that I have a hard time making sure that I keep that separated from the people uh, when I do talk about religion and understand, you know, that that person isn't the one who hurt me. It It's all of it, all the teachings and everything and the everything you said about how, um, you know, they see you as dirty and you got to make sure you're not dirty and otherwise, you know, you're going to get cast out and all this stuff like that. And it's traumatizing and hurtful and incredible that they have such a hold on people. Mm. And I think particularly to weaponize a child's abuse against them. I mean, oh yeah, it was. That's, that's next. And I'm not the only one. You can You can make a post asking for, uh, Mormon survivors, and you'll get story after story after story after story after story of this happening to people, um, and it's all on the mm. the woman side of it. Uh, when things happen to men, it's usually like uh, they made a mistake, but they repented and they're better now. And I mean, it's really frustrating. And I have a very, 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 very unique situation mm. where I am. Um, okay, and on good terms with uh, the person who abused me. Uh, we were both young, and it was a cycle of abuse situation. And so it got it coming to light, and us getting both help was able to break that cycle for both of us. But very unique situation, but it was also like they made up an excuse as to why he was in juvie, um, why he was in juvenile detention than for what he was really in there so I had to lie to people about that about why he was in there I wasn't allowed to talk to people about what I'd been through um, I was very much like I was you know my parents tried to get me help but I was very much brushed under a rug for all of this and it was a lot of it was to save face for my abuser and it's so common I mean I was a lucky one that there was actual uh, police and intervention into what happened I was lucky most of the time it's only dealt with in the family or within the church. So was it the church that had really encouraged? Um, I can't say it was the church that did it, but it was very, very heavily influenced by the church. Um, the church involvement directly with me was all of the, um, he was like, he made a mistake and he'll be fine. But then telling me that I needed to repent and be aware of my involvement and being told that it was my fault that I was abused. 
And I mean, it came to light. Like my, my mom approached me about it like two or three days before I turned 13. That's how young I was. I mean, you talked a lot about having PTSD, a lot around how it was handled rather than the actual abuse. So is that is that something that you still think about now? I still feel like I can't talk about it. I still feel like I have to, um, I, wor- I wonder sometimes like if my protection of his identity is for his sake or my sake. Um, if I'm doing it because like I've forgiven him and that we are okay now, or if I'm doing it because I don't want to uh, tarnish his reputation. And and I mean, there are a lot of people who do know and do know who it was, um, but I I feel like I feel bad about it. I shouldn't feel bad about speaking openly about what happened to me, but yeah, I definitely have a lot of trauma with that. Um, There were a couple of times as an adult that I have been assaulted and I do a lot of uh, internalized shame and guilt with them that it was my fault for being in that situation or my fault, or maybe I shouldn't have laughed at the one joke and he wouldn't have done it. Or I have a lot of that that comes from, um, I hear my old therapist voice in my head repeating the where were you what were you doing how could you have been better and what could you have done differently so you weren't and so I have I still still deal with that um I have nightmares that I have uh, been working on getting treated for about the last year now I finally found something that works Uh, but my nightmares um, a few of them are from from being abused but a lot of them are of me sitting I can remember I remember the texture of the pillows and the couch I would sit on in that therapist's office and him sitting there and and asking me all of these very, very um, invasive questions and then turning around and telling me how it was my fault and I need I won't be able to heal until I accept that it was my fault and all of these things like that. And that's the trauma I have. Those are the nightmares I have are... I mean, I can, even in these nightmares, I can smell the couch. It's that vividly traumatic for me. And I know I talk about them, but like that I have them, but this is the first time I've actually brought up like the nightmares I do have. So yeah, when I talk about how my PTSD is less from my trauma, like I still have it there, but the great, probably like 80% of the stuff I've had to deal with in therapy have been my therapy. And the stuff I had to go through with the church, um, I've I've talked through the twenty dollar bill thing with my therapist. Like it's, I remember the first time I went to a therapist that I had picked myself and was ready just to kind of unpick all of this. This was back in um, early two thousand eighteen, and I was in my intake, and I was talking to her and she kind of asked, you know, why I was there, and I kind of gave like a brief synopsis of why I was there and the things I had gone through with my previous therapist. And when I looked up at her, her jaw was on the floor. And um, she wanted to report him. And because of how heinous and unethical it was that I had been through. And it was that moment that I realized that like, oh, like I just was validated in all of my pain and my anger and my hurt. And now I can start to heal from it. And so, I mean, it's, it's been what, two and a half years now um before the pandemic was hit and I was seeing a psychiatrist once a month and I've made huge strides and I'm doing really really well but 
I mean, it's almost 16 years of my life I've been playing with this now. 16 years this August since it ended. So Jordan, do you feel that all of those, I mean, do you see a link with the church and the culture of the church to all of the things surrounding that abuse, the other parts that you are, are traumatized aside from the abuse itself? Do you think that, like, do you really see yes. the church influencing Absolutely. all of that, all of the, the situation? The whole culture provides it. I mean, the, the worthiness interviews where a grown man who was not a therapist or an educated uh, clergyman or anything like that. He's just a, I mean, one of the ones I had when I was in high school, he was an accountant. Um, but, you know, at 12, 13, 14 years old, you're alone in this room with this man asking you these very explicit questions. Uh, so that type of culture that makes it, it makes it normalized. Uh, there is a very, very, very dark and insidious um, history of of child sex abuse in the church that is very commonly known but not talked about. Uh, like I said, if you if you went out and you made a post, hey, I'm looking for Mormon survivor stories, and I said that you yeah. would just get story after story after story after story. It's all related, and all of them have the same uh, the same. Like how I said, I was told that it was my fault. That's a church thing. That wasn't these two particular men saying it on their own it's what they are told to tell us so absolutely and so that's why i have a really really hard time with religion as a whole is because that's what i was subjected to um but i am you know it's i try really hard to be um like understanding and accepting and um i can be around like people that are in the church i can be around my family and stuff like that but it is really really hard uh, every time I come back from seeing my family, I have to take a day or two just to get the ick out of my out of my body, out of the way I feel, because I just feel gross. And I know I know it's what they believe, and that you know that they seem happy, and I'm happy for them. But like it's knowing all of these things and what I've been through, and having the knowledge I have—not the faith, but the knowledge I have—it just makes me feel gross. And so that's why it took me so long to really start looking into my spirituality and, and finding, you know, the right thing for me. Almost 29 and I'm finally finding it. And I think that's so important that you shared that because so many of us, like right from me being subtly undermined and, and devalued and not even considered to exist or to be acceptable, but in this very kind of quiet, polite, English way right up to the very blatant abuse and and shaming that happened in your situation we hear a lot about this in our community as well don't we like just generally the LGBT community we all well not all of us but a lot of us have stories about this and, and of course it's important to mention that plenty of our sort of queer siblings have good relationships with their religion or whatever or the spirituality however this sort of trauma is definitely rampant and i think it's really important to share that and, and raise awareness and i often want to tread like a middle ground with all of these things in a way that accepts everybody and i literally mean everybody in their various views and beliefs but i think 
aside from the superiority complex that I mentioned before, that a lot of these organisations depend upon for loyalty, is also the is also the concept of not questioning anything. And I think that the way that these things can, you know, so for example, you'll I'll share my story and you'll share yours, and yet somebody else will come along and go oh that's a very rare occurrence or those things don't happen very much like most religions are benevolent or most religious centers temples synagogues or whatever they do more good than than bad it starts to become an argument against or for yeah. religion and i think that that is really counterproductive because ultimately you've got a bunch of people who are traumatized and say like religion has fucked my life up or it's at least left me with a scar. So fuck religion. And then you've got the other side that says, but this is how I live my life. This is how I love people. This is the, the thing that means so much to me. This is what I depended upon when my, when my grandpa was dying or something, you know, and this is what got me through losing a pregnancy or whatever. So you've got these two very emotionally charged things. And I think that continuing both of those narratives, whilst they're totally valid to the individual, they're not inclusive enough for everyone. And whilst I wouldn't suggest for a moment that we kind of give up our own things to, to be 50-50 or something, I think it's really important to learn to be critical of your response versus, or as well as, what is the most productive way that we can do this and I think that especially for religious people who are very indoctrinated and have grown up in a culture where they're not allowed to question things I think that's the most difficult part of all because I mean when you're an atheist you don't go to an atheist church <laughs> you just get you just stay at home or you go to your friend's house or you go to the cinema or you go and get some chicken and chips or something <laughs> do you know what I mean? when you're an atheist you don't have a replacement for that you don't go to fucking atheist school where they teach you all of these things about religion and laugh about it or i mean i guess that goes on to some extent anyway secularly but what i'm saying is that i think it's much easier when you're not nobody's indoctrinated you into religion it's much easier to then be critical of religion but when you're in it and particularly when you've got people around you or on facebook who are taking the piss out of your religion or mm -hmm. being disrespectful then you're going to keep defending it over and over again and especially when you've already been told anyone who says anything against you is dirty or they're a sinner or they're they're a heathen or whatever you know it's not difficult for me as a non-religious person to talk about a spiritual concept especially like having done my own healing and found my own grounding within it and something that you know feels right to me and very relaxed and and just totally loving and also very practical I find that easy but I, I do think that I don't know what the answer is um I don't know what your thoughts are Jordan but I think when you like I said before you've got these two very emotionally charged sides to this kind of battle and uh 
Yeah, I, don't I, I don't feel like there really is an answer right now. I don't know what we do you about said that. It. It's two very emotionally charged sides. And there's a lot of hurt. I just don't know. Like the best you can is to be um, accepting and loving as you can. Mm. But I don't think there's really a, like a way to create total peace between them, if that makes sense. It's gonna, mm. a lot of time. Not at the moment. I definitely think it would take a lot of time and also I think a loosening of the reins to trust your followers that they really do love you and that it's not going to take one conversation or even 10 conversations with a stranger to, you know, take you astray. I, I'm very much of the opinion that if your faith is that strong, you know, think of Job and stuff like it doesn't matter how many trials and tribulations you go through if you're going to end up if that's your belief forever it will be your belief forever but if um if you have to avoid speaking to people and avoid loving people too much or being too accepting for fear that your faith won't stand up to that it's it's not real yeah. right or it's it's only skin deep or you're only doing it to survive you're not doing it because you really want to but I do, yeah, I do think it, it, it's going to take a bit of loosening and a bit of vulnerability and a bit of, um, like, not indoctrinating people, actually giving them an education about their spirituality. So all, all the things that I've learned since, uh, since being comfortable enough to do my own reading, I like a lot of the tenets of many religions now because... I think it's so beautiful and universal and really does encourage the best in us. But the way it's utilised and used in uh, modern day religion is not reflective of any of that at all, as far as I'm concerned. And like you were saying, you're uh, exploring your spirituality outside of religion, um, as have I. And, and in that time, I think we must come across things all the time that are so positive and uh, holistic and, and helpful and in, in no way judgmental and and it's truly like nourishing stuff and it makes us useful to other people and happier within ourselves and I think that if you actually allowed people to question these things for themselves and come back they would be a much better disciple of your religion anyway because they're allowed to think about it they're not yeah. they're not terrified that somebody's going to start like putting a horse head in their bed or <laughs> or um doing you know or threatening them or excommunicating them or ruining their local reputation just because they wanted to have a conversation about it yeah i think you you find much more powerful disciples and and loyal and and well-rounded like better educated and stuff and oh yeah so that's what i was saying that so many of the things that i've discovered about religion in general and, and particularly christianity since being comfortable enough to learn all this stuff has really blown my mind it's so magic and i just think i never talk about this in church and they never all the christians i know don't even know this stuff and about the culture that their that their prophet and their messiah has come from they don't even know half of this stuff and it's such a shame because i think so many of these things are the, the magical part of it but yeah i don't really know what, where i was going with that <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I think there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear and trauma in all of these things, isn't it? I think that any time you've got an argument, any time you've got a big clash, it's trauma and fear. There's often control in there, you know. 
bit of abuse just to top it off. <laughs> How shall we sign off on this one, George? Um, bye, thanks for coming. See you later. Have a good night. <laughs> bye. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's good. Yeah, exactly. I go to bed now. <laughs> I need a wee. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on this really deep and intense conversation about religion, being queer and abuse of power. <laughs> Make yourself a cup of tea. I'm going to go do that right now. <laughs> I need it. I deserve it. <laughs> Glad we had this conversation. Yeah. Um, next time, we'll make sure to make it a lot oh, more sure. uh, lighthearted and maybe get some more dick jokes in because I feel lost without them. But thanks for joining us and hopefully we'll catch you next time. Definitely. And uh, if you want to tweet us about your own experiences or your own opinions or you've got any feedback for us, we're at Transsection P on Twitter. You can also find us on Instagram and at Transsection Podcasts and on Facebook the transsection podcast and don't forget if you haven't done it already don't miss out this is top quality stuff i've told you this before and you still didn't do it because you're still not on the list okay so sign up at www.mooksharrishill.com forward slash transsection you can get this beautiful stuff sent directly to you from me and george straight to you what more could you want join us next time and until then build bridges and have fun <laughs> <laughs>